0: Once again to Fangraphs Audio, I am Carson Sestouli, Fangraphs contributor. In this particular edition of the pod, we offer you another Fantasy Friday. What's unique about this particular edition of Fantasy Friday? Well, for one, we're delivering it to you, shockingly close to Friday. For two, we give you a crack guest panel featuring Rotographs' writers, Brian Jorah, and Eno Saris. In this episode, we run the gamut of fantasy considerations. With Eno Saris we look at the ways that Leverage Index, and in particular, Reliever Entrance Leverage Index, might help us to anticipate which setup men might usurp the closers on their respective teams. With Brian Jura, we look at Matt Latos, Felipe Paulino, and a couple other young pitchers, who though highly touted, are disappointing us thus far. Finally, it's not too early to do some fantasy trade analysis, and I abuse the good graces of my guests on the pod to get each of their respective opinions on a trade I have recently been offered in a fantasy league. All of this and more white-hot analysis on this Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. Welcome to another edition of Fangraphs Audio. This is our uh, Rotographs edition of Fangraphs Audio, our Fantasy Friday edition, if you uh, if you can believe that. Uh, on this particular edition of the Fantasy Friday pod, we have a couple gentlemen from Rotographs. The first one I'll introduce is, uh, he's the host of the Fantasy Faceoff, which you can catch at uh, Blog Talk Radio, Thursdays at 7 p.m. He also writes for Rotographs. His name is Brian Jorah. Mr. Jorah, how are you today? How are you today? Oh. I'm just going to say today. How are you, sir?
1: today i am fine Thanks. today you are fine good very good to talk to you I'm how's uh
0: what are you are you down in the uh you're down in the southeast of the united states
1: uh that's correct north carolina
0: how is it uh what's going on down in north carolina these days uh, weather wise is it good
1: um, you know we've got the uh, the annual covering of pollen where there's just a sheet of yellow on all of the cars and basically we're just praying for rain to kind of wash it all away. But uh, temperature-wise, uh, lovely. Just if you if you don't have allergies, this is a perfect time of year.
0: That's a perfect time to be there. Well, that sounds good. Uh, that's good. Another you know in terms in terms of a perfect person to invite to the pod right now, it'd be a guy who uh, is all over the place. He's on the Twitter's all, quite a bit. He writes for Bloomberg Sports. I believe it's uh, entirely possible that he will also be writing for Amazing Avenue very, very soon. His name is Eno Saris.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on again.
0: Yeah, Eno, did I uh, did I rep you uh, appropriately there? All the all the right places? Any any place to add? Oh
2: yeah. Well, I write for the Fantasy Lounge still occasionally, but uh, don't go to fantasy Fantasy no, That's something think. entirely different. Is
0: that an adult, uh, adult site? Yes.
2: Oh, it is. Put the, put the sports on there. Make sure to put the sports fantasy on there.
0: FantasyloungeSports.com. Okay, yeah. Well, I might try <laughs> Fantasy Lounge just to see what happens. Uh, <laughs> now, let's see. This is our, our weekly venture into the world of, of fantasy sports and other sorts of fantasy, too, if we get around to it. Um, we like to, uh, to try something different every week. On this particular week, um, I've asked these guys uh, here... To come up with a couple of topics, and we'll go through those first, and then, and then I also have sort of a an exercise I'd like to get to later, in which I float trades, and uh, you tell me who's winning either side of the trade. We know we'll do some analysis as far as that's concerned. Uh, Eno, I told you I said use your brain to think of something, and you came back with something pretty good. I think that it's also something that concerns an article you wrote just today, we're recording this uh, Wednesday evening, just today for Rotographs in an article titled, Who Might Replace Trevor Hoffman? In that article, you cite, I believe, GMLI, which is the leverage index of a pitcher who enters a game. Maybe explain GMLI slightly better than I just did, and then uh, tell tell me what you're thinking and how it's applicable to fantasy sports.
2: Well, I think you did a pretty good job. Uh it's the leverage index when you enter the game, it's basically how important uh the situation is uh to the win probability um for your team. Um and uh I think it basically just measures how uh how intense the moment is, um, to put it another way. And uh not surprisingly, you know, if you pull up the leaderboard for GMLI on uh fangraphs you find it's almost all closers. Um, but uh, I think that it's a useful tool, of course seen in context like everything else, but I think it's a useful tool when you're looking for uh, who might replace a closer. And uh, I mentioned it uh, because, you know, Carlos Villanueva is pitching better than uh, LaTroy Hawkins right now. Oh, yeah, this
0: is, so this is over in Milwaukee there.
2: Yeah, Milwaukee, and and if you look at their GMLIs though, um, uh, Latroy's GMLI is, is significantly higher than uh, Villanueva's, and you can look at the, that can sort of lead to looking at the box scores, you can see that you know Villanueva comes in usually in the seventh, and uh, Latroy Hawkins has been coming in in the eighth. So uh, you know, I, I sort of I called it almost a, a proxy for manager confidence. Um, and I think it, it's kind of an interesting stat because it, it tells you, you know, what, wh- who does it, who does a manager put in when the game is on the line? Right. Um, and I think, so you, look at, you look at this leaderboard and you've got all sorts of closers and then you've got Daniel Bard, uh, you got Ryan Perry in Detroit, uh, you've got, uh, Robinson Tejeda, which is, you know, but that's the Royals, so who cares so about So you that? never
0: know, yeah. I, I, I uh, Trey Hilburn he's using Joaquin Soria. so it's hard to say right. exactly what the the uh, is going on in that man's brain.
2: Well, there's a couple of names on there that are important, like Juan Gutierrez. Um, you know, Qualls is struggling a little bit, and uh, you know, there's Kevin Jepsen has been a a fan around these parts, and he's high up on that list as well. So uh, I think you can, if you're looking for for someone who might replace a closer. Uh, it's a good idea to kind of check out their uh, GM line.
0: Well, here let's check in with Jora about this. Jora, you you've been in the on the fantasy scene for some time. I'm curious uh, f- from you about two things. One, traditionally, how have you gone about sort of predicting uh, who might take over the closest role for a particular team? If you have a rule of thumb or a hard and fast uh, criteria for that sort of thing, and then secondly. Um, you know, if you're listening to, you know, serious here, if you, uh, sorry, you know, Sarah's who, who, how you might integrate what, Eno's saying about, uh, GMLI into your, um, your sort of decision-making process.
1: Well, I think that the first thing you want to do is, uh, kind of get a list going on in your head about who the established closers are and who the ones who are on firm ground. And then more importantly, look for the ones who may be on shaky grounds. And, Eno mentioned, um, Hoffman, who certainly uh, appears to be on somewhat shaky ground right now and uh, uh, truthfully I, I don't really look at the, uh, the game leverage I think it's more of uh, depends on managerial preference because you have some managers who are very rigid in their roles that they're going to use this guy in the sixth and seventh inning another guy in the eighth inning and another guy in the ninth inning and if a new manager is like that I think it's more likely that he's just going to promote the guy from the eighth inning even though the guy who's uh, pitching in the sixth and seventh might uh, have a, a higher leverage index uh, with him. And I think the perfect example of that is the Angels. Uh, we mentioned that Jepsen has a, a, has a very high leverage index, but as we already saw when uh, Fuentes went on the DL, they didn't put him in there. They put in Fernando Rodney, who was pitching more of the eighth inning and who also had that uh, magic uh, closer tag already affixed to him. Um, so um, I think it's, it's something that uh, is, is certainly there's some Uh, uh, good identification possibilities within it but I don't think that uh, you can just use that and and nothing else
0: so just shooting from the hip here in terms of Latroy Hawkins, Carlos Villanueva, Todd Coffey were Trevor Hoffman to be demoted from the closer role of those three guys who would you uh, put your gummy bears on?
1: Well, um, the other day I wrote something and I called uh, Villanueva a dark horse a candidate for saves and then right after that uh, Hoffman blows saves in two consecutive games. So it's certainly something that's uh, on the front of everybody's mind right now. I think that uh, one thing that's important to consider is that uh, LaTroy Hawkins has had opportunities to close before in the past and has not been uh, overly successful in those roles. Uh, last year he was uh, pretty good down in Houston and the Astros wanted to retain him and there was the possibility that he was going to have the closers role if he resigned with them and he turned that down to go to Milwaukee where it looked like he was going to be comfortable pitching in the 8th inning uh, for an established closer like Trevor Hoffman who was not likely to, to run into problems and now look what's happened, Hoffman's run into problems, so um you know, it certainly seems that Hawkins is the most likely to guy to get the role, but, you know, given what his history is in the closer's position, if he does get it, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody else gets it after him.
0: Yeah. Hey, you know, back to you. You uh, are the gentleman who, uh, at least to the to the uh, best of my knowledge, at least on the pod, has coined the term thinking stupid, which you mm-hmm. say is sort of the term you've given to anticipating managerial moves. Um you know, even if it's not necessarily what the right move would be, you know, from a strategic standpoint. I'm curious how you sort of look at using GMLI relative to this idea of thinking stupid. Are they the same thing? Uh, is it sort of two pieces of information that, that butt heads occasionally? Um, you know, exactly how do you look at this?
2: Well, I actually thought Brian made a, a great point about uh, leverage index. It could be higher in earlier innings. It doesn't necessarily mean that this is the eighth inning guy, you um, and I also, you know, I, I did uh, I read Brian's piece and, and linked to it in my Hoffman piece um, because uh, I agree with him too. I think I think in some ways Villanueva is the better candidate. Um, and uh, today I was I was struggling to think of, you know, if you were going to put five pieces of information next to uh, a player's name, um, and you know, when you're talking about who might take over, what would those five pieces of information might uh, be, you know? So I, I, I put, uh, I decided for these three guys in my article, uh, XFIP career, uh, XFIP this year. So, you know, you're fielding independent pitching for this year, uh, expected. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, I put in the GMLI just to sort of give you an idea of how much the manager might trust him or what kind of, uh, uh, positions he's been put in in the past. Um, and then I wanted to put something, uh, that had to do with saves. But, uh, you know, there was some back and forth with the commenters and I agreed with them. You know, saves are a problematic stat because you can get a blown save, uh, if you're only in a hold situation. So you can have a guy like, uh, LaTroy Hawkins, he could have a ton of blown saves compared to his saves. You know, and that, and that might speak, that might make it look like, oh, he's been a terrible closer in the past. Um but some of those blown saves came in hold positions because he's been a setup guy forever. Uh, so I came up with this idea that you would add holds uh, and saves together uh, and then put them over holds plus saves plus blown saves. So you're kind of giving setup men credit for, uh, you know, it's a, it's a silly stat, holds and saves, but you're giving them credit for having kept a team in it uh, in the eighth inning in the past. Uh, so I, I put the I put that next to the teams' names, and, and it makes it makes Latroy look a little better. It makes It makes Villanueva look a little better. So you don't just see all those bone saves and say, "Oh, he can't be a closer."
0: Yeah, that's what we call uh, thinking outside the box, and that's why we have Eno Saris on the uh, on the pod, uh, you know, as often as we can, certainly. Um, and if I may editorialize for a second, I think that it's actually interesting. It's kind of nice actually that Kevin Jepson has such a high uh, GMLI, you know, that he enters with the, the higher uh, leverage index, even if he's not necessarily his team's closer, because he probably is, in fact, the best relief pitcher on that team, um, certainly my favorite r- relief pitcher on that team. So it's sort of interesting that even though he's not being given the si- the the, uh, the closer's role, he's still getting put, uh, you know, frequently into, you know, maybe not the most important roles, but very important uh, situations. So. Uh, you know, so good on Mike Sosha for doing that, even if he does have that bizarre man crush on Jeff Mathis. Okay, uh, moving on uh, into uh, other areas of discussion here. Jora, I uh, tasked you with uh, presenting a topic to the pod, and you came up with a sort of interesting one here, a look at two young pitchers, youngish at least, who were maybe uh, touted as... Uh, Dark horse candidates, young, uh, young, young pitchers with uh, with great upside coming into the season, and I think that probably neither of them have uh, at least at least yet they they haven't really strutted that, their stuff as far as that's concerned. Matt Latos versus Felipe Paulino. As we're speaking, Felipe Paulino has just uh, thrown I think maybe five six innings, four strikeouts, four walks. That's kind of been par for the course for him. How do you see him versus Latos, and and, uh, quite frankly, I don't have Latos's numbers at my fingertips, so you'll have to help me, sir.
1: Well, I think that uh, the first thing we need to do is maybe take a step back to last year where they both uh, kind of came on and, and maybe people weren't expecting a whole lot of out of either one of them. And uh, Paulino had an ex-fip of 4.10. Uh, his ERA was about two runs higher than that, but uh, there was a lot of bad luck involved with that. And uh, Latos had uh, about a half a run higher than that. I think I have it down as 4.67 as their ex-fip. So, so they were two pitchers who came up and, and had somewhat reasonable... Uh, uh, success at the end of last year, and, and certainly uh, Latos was a big surprise coming back from the injuries like he did, and he was able to pitch so well was certainly a very encouraging thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, he's got a, a pretty full repertoire, and 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 throws uh, throws really hard, and plus he gets the advantages of uh, pitching in San Diego. So I think a lot of people were probably higher on him than Paulino coming in into this season. And and we look what they've they've done this year and, and both of them have been uh, struggling and, and really not delivering much at all for people who invested in them. But uh Latos it's really easy to see what's happening. He's just getting killed by the home run. Uh his uh fly ball home run fly ball rate is something like twenty percent. And uh you know his uh if you take his ex FIP it's even better than what it was last year. I think it's four two three right now. So um you know, it's, it's just a question of can he get the, uh, the home runs down? Uh, you'd like to see the strikeouts be a little bit better for him. Maybe the walks be a hair better than him too. But, you know, basically he's, he's pitching okay, just having a little bad luck with the home runs. But if you look deeper into it and you look at the uh, home road splits for him, he's, uh, really, uh, got knocked around when he hasn't been in Petco. So maybe he's the type of guy that you can really use to spot the start for your team and get him into the lineup when he's got the home start and maybe give him the, give a rest and look elsewhere when he when he's got a road start. Uh Paulino right now is uh this this is uh, prior to today's game was just really getting hurt with a strand rate. He had a forty eight percent strand rate which uh is just uh dreadful. Most people have a strand rate uh, of course uh closer to seventy and uh he's been also getting killed by walks, allowing uh five and a half per game coming into today and then like you mentioned he gave up uh four in uh in uh, five or six innings so um, he's, he's gotta get the control down because no pitcher can survive in the long haul giving up, uh, over five, uh, walks per nine innings. But, uh, I think I like Paulino a little bit better. I think maybe the circumstances favor Latos better because of Petco. But I, I do think that uh, if Paulino gets his walk rate, uh, down to, uh, a more serviceable, uh, four or even preferably underneath that, that, uh, he can be, uh, uh, an asset to your fantasy team even playing in the juice box.
0: <laughs> the juice box. The, um, Sarris, coming into the season, where did you have Latos and Paulino? And uh, given the, I guess the early season results, where do you have them now?
2: Uh, I, you know, I so I, I share some optimism with Brian about them. Um, and uh, I had Latos as the last pitcher on uh, mixed league teams, um, regular twelve team um, Roto. I, I thought he was a great bench pitcher. You could put him in there for San Diego starts. Uh, There's a lot of promise even beyond that. Um and uh, I've, I I will admit that I've dropped him here and there. I've actually kept him also. So well, you have
0: what you have uh, thirty seven fantasy teams, isn't that right? Is
2: it <laughs> something like that? Eighty five. I think my my wife would agree with that number.
0: Yeah.
2: But uh, I also uh, I I've, I have kept him around as much as I could. Uh, just sometimes you know injuries and certain realities of your staff don't allow you to keep guys like that. But he, I think he's very he's right there on the cusp. Should be on. Many mixed league teams, if not most Uh, Paulino I had on my Deeper league teams, Uh, I have him on my National Fantasy Baseball Championship uh, team Um, And I dropped him on one I kept him on one, so I think they're both sort of right there On the cusp Um, And so I think they should be on wires And I think people should really consider them Uh, One thing about Latos is uh, His pitching mix is a little different This year and uh, i don't actually think it's a pitch fx glitch uh i've heard that he's you know trying to get more ground balls which he has which is a great thing um uh, but he's also kind of lost his curveball he doesn't really throw it anymore so uh i don't know if that's going to change again um and maybe hopefully maybe that'll get the strikeouts back up uh but uh, he's still growing and i think uh both of those pitchers are still growing and those are i'd rather you know a lot of times i'd rather have those than some sort of you know to make an obvious point, LeVon Hernández. You know why? Why take a you know a streaky veteran? You know when you could have a guy with upside on your bench.
0: Yeah, like Colby Lewis. Uh, interesting. I'm I'm looking here at Matt Latos' stats, and it it almost looks to me like uh, Rick Porcello from last year, um, which is not how Latos pitched uh, you know at all in 2009. But the, the you know minimal walks, not a terrific strikeout rate, but a He's got a 50% ground ball rate through four starts. Um, and then it uh, looks like he's just really getting unlucky with the home runs on fly balls, Definitely. which is not necessarily something you'd expect to see from someone who's plying their trade in San Diego. But I'm guessing that that might also be the effect of uh, of uh, some away starts. So interesting guy there. Yeah, Paulino's been a little disappointing for, from my point of view. I, I really liked him, especially because of some of his swinging strike rates from last season hope to see him pitch better. Today he did not benefit at all from a, uh, a botched fly ball from a hunter pence of all people in the outfield. He really uh, he really went in his hunter pence. I'm sorry, I stole that from you, you know. Should, That's should, all right. I should attribute that too. to you. Um, one other project that I, that I thought we might go about today is looking at trades we've been offered or we've decided to offer or, you know, if, if it's too early in the fantasy season for it, maybe trades that you've, uh, that you've uh, uh, counseled someone on. You know, it doesn't really have to be that, but it it's always sort of an interesting exercise to get a sense of who's worth what. You know, uh, Eno, let's start with you. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've had any trade offers or, or sent any out, but you, you at least have been around a trade. What's this? Um, Beltre Scherzer... What? You you finish Beltre, it
2: Beltre, Beltre and Scherzer for Wright. Three Beltrays?
0: You have to trade three different Beltrays <laughs> plus Max Scherzer. I don't know if that's fair, but uh, yeah, you're saying Adrian Beltray plus Mark, uh, Max Scherzer Max for Scherzer. David Wright.
2: And you know the the person who's asking me, and, and I always feel these sort of things. So if anybody wants to get me on the Twitter machine or whatever, I I love I love answering these. You are on it
0: all the time. What do you do? You do you, do you have a Twitter <laughs> average per day? <laughs> we if you, could many, probably
2: figure that out.
0: We probably could. How many? What would you estimate for your tweets per day?
2: Hundred. Well, I've only I've only been on I've been on Twitter for uh, less than a year, and I'm uh, over five thousand tweets. So.
0: So do the math, people. <laughs> do the math. So what but, do you got? What do you got there, Cyrus? For that for that training? Well,
2: you know, uh, he was he was talking about uh, Tristan Cockcroft um, piece that was talking about. Wright is is missing on uh, pitches outside the zone that he didn't use to, and he's pressing and striking out more on second um, second you know zero and two counts and whatever. Um, and I said you know just think about it this way. I think Wright's floor is probably somewhere around Adrian Beltry. So you know you're, you're you're in a two for one like this. You just want the best player in the deal, and e- even a a, a two eighty twenty twenty. Third baseman is uh, the best player in that deal, so uh, you don't have to worry anymore about where you picked him or where they picked him or what round or whatever. You just have to really try and figure out where the floor and where the ceiling are, and you know, and, and just really look at you know what 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 the real value of the trade is. And I, I think I just had to convince him that you know I, I had to tell him the right would be okay, but you know, okay for me means something different than for him. But you know, I had to let him know that worst-case scenario, he did okay.
0: Yeah. Hey, Jorah, I'm I'm curious what you think about this. Do you, Do you think Beltray? I mean, obviously David Wright is probably going to be better than David Wright was last year. Uh, I don't know if that's obvious, but I, it, you know, to me it seems that. But do you not see Eldre, Adrian Beltray uh, maybe putting up better numbers this season in Fenway than he has? Uh, certainly than last year at Safeco, but even in, in his two or three years with Seattle before that.
1: You know, certainly that was the expectation coming into the season. I think that, uh, people had visions of, uh, a 30 home run season for Beltre uh, you know, just, uh, being able to, to, uh, take advantage of his home park maybe like he wasn't able to in Safeco. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's really come quite to pass yet, uh, and certainly the the season is still young, and, and anything can turn around. But uh, I would really be surprised if uh, Beltray ended up with uh, 30 home runs uh, this season. But uh, as far as uh, this uh, trade offer goes, uh, I hope uh, I hope it was uh, rejected with a with a resounding no, because I don't think that there's any way that uh, Scherzer and Beltray comes within a mile of what uh, David Wright is potentially going to give you. Okay. Uh, it-
0: and, well, Drew, what was the trade that you, you had to present to us?
1: Um, I'm in a 12-team uh, uh, NL-only league where you start um, 23 players. Um, and uh, I have uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, and for him I was offered in a straight one-for-one uh, one deal Andrew McCutcheon. And uh I turned it down and then uh uh gave my reason for turning it down that I didn't want to trade a four category pitcher for a, a two category outfielder. And uh in a later post on our uh, league message board I was uh made fun of for uh um, labeling McCutcheon as a as a uh two category player and uh the individual said that he would be a five category star in the utility role on on my team. Uh, I still don't understand trading perhaps the best pitcher in baseball for a guy for your utility role, but uh, um, it takes all kinds, I suppose. Yeah,
0: that sounds like things were good, a little chippy. Eno, you know, things ever get chippy like that for you, and what do you think about that trade?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with him wholeheartedly. Take take Gubaldo, uh, and yes, uh, yes, things get chippy sometimes. Um, I wasn't actually going to admit to this uh, but uh, I was uh, floating the idea that I needed to get rid of two starters and and hopefully get a starter back or get some offense back and do a two for one Uh, and uh, so I I was setting some I was kind of getting out there and kind of Trying to get it a lot from my dollar, and, uh, this was before Liriano had his last couple of starts, so, in my defense, uh, it wasn't as bad as it's gonna sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I tried to get Liriano from, uh, Paul Bordet, who, uh, writes, writes around the interwebbings, and, uh, I offered him, let's see, what, what did I offer him? I offered him Brad Penny and, uh, Jaime Garcia.
0: Ooh, well, I'll tell you what, I like that Jaime Garcia.
2: Uh I, I don't hate the guys that I was offering them. And I and I said to him, you know, maybe Lily if you like, you know. But I was just trying to sort of move up in the world and, and open up a roster spot for somebody coming off the DL. Um and uh he thought it was a piece of uh <laughs> excrement and uh so he turned around and offered me uh Alberto Cajaspo, Yeah uh and uh, Scott Pitsednik. Yeah uh for Ted Lilly. Oh. So I was kind of, it was kind of just like, he was like, this is what I think of your trade.
0: Yeah. He's kind of rubbing your face in it a little bit. Yeah. Sorry about that, dude. Uh Yeah, I think we've all been there to, in that sort of situation. Although I will say, Jame Garcia, I believe he's pitching lights out baseball today. And he he has a higher ground ball rate than people might realize. Uh, through 20 innings this season coming into today, 70% ground balls, you know, and that's not going to sustain itself, but uh, 60% is not crazy for him. 60% would not be crazy at all.
2: and Certainly coming up with the uh, the right pitching coach for that.
0: Yeah, right, and, you know, and in that park, um, he may, you know, his he may not allow that many home runs, and that's definitely going to help out his ERA. It's going to help out everything, and that team... Might be the only team that finishes over 500 in the Central in NL, so you know the wins could be there too. The wins could be there too. That's kind of interesting. Well, I want to tell you guys before we go, I actually I have a trade that I have to accept or deny, uh, right after we get off of this podcast, and I need your guys' help for it, and because you are fantasy experts, then I decided I am in a deep deep league over at RotoWire. It's the uh, there are a couple of uh, site Site League's over there. It's the Rotowire 2 League. One of the guys over there is looking for Brian Mattis, and I have Brian Mattis. In this particular league, we roster 23, 24 guys. You know, it's a five outfielder, everything else. Plus, you have seven reserve and seven minor leaguers, right? Besides that, there's also a contract system. So once you, you know, first year you have a guy, it's his A year, second year, B year, third year, C year, and you can resign him, but, you know, it gets more expensive every year after that. So those are some basic stipulations. I have Brian Mattis this year, and I kept him in the minors this year because I wasn't sure exactly what he was going to do this year. And I wanted him for three years on the cheap afterwards. Essentially, I am the – you know, as Tampa Bay did to Evan Longoria, I'm right now doing to Brian Mattis. I'm getting an extra year of life out of him. But he's a pitcher, and I don't know if you believe uh, in tin-stap or not, which which means uh, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. I, um, there's a chance that I could get Michael Young at third base, and my th- my third base options besides this are Jose Batista and Edwin Encarnacion, which is not so great, and then Shane Victorino, and I'm down a, a center fielder too. So I would be giving away Brian Mattis for Michael Young and Shane Victorino in a very deep league, such as to say that the you know probably the best available player on the waiver wire is Tommy Manzella. Mm. So, uh, let's see. Brian Joro, let's start with you. I'm I'm be giving up Brian Mattis for just one year of Michael Young and Shane Victorino. They're both C contracts, so they'll be done after this year.
1: Well, I have to say right off the start that uh, I'm not really a fan of either Young or Victorino, and, and I really love the, the Baltimore pitcher. So, I would probably not do this, this trade because of that. Um, you know, you, you've got... Uh, uh, a pitcher with a, a, a very Very high uh, strikeout Rate and you always want to you, know, you always want to see those kind of guys And uh, he's got the uh, Strikeout walk rate over uh, two and a half I think it's two two seven So um, it, it just Not something that I would necessarily want to Give up uh, if if I could uh, uh, Possibly avoid it I mean I think a lot's going to have to depend on How close you are to uh, You think you are to uh, a money spot and you already mentioned uh the how how you needed those players to fill positions for you but is it going to make the difference between cashing and not cashing to me that's the the question with this deal um because i don't want to do it unless this deal is the one that pushes me into a money spot um and and i just think there's too much upside uh with uh mattis um yeah, you know, the the only thing that I'm worried about with him is he's an extreme fly ball pitcher and that uh Baltimore uh, outfield defense is not good. Um you know jones is below average Marquez is below average and and fortunately uh Reimold is uh dh in these days because he was the worst of the three so that that would be my only concern about him uh uh long term is that uh he's not exactly pitching in front of the seattle defense but I, I have to i have to say i really don't like that return for you
0: okay all right well let's go to you know saris Eno. what do you think uh, i don't mind i don't
2: mind uh i mean flags fly forever so that has, that has to be said and uh <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't mind uh, hearing what your uh, top three uh, starters were otherwise and maybe a, a top uh, starting prospect otherwise
0: well, uh, I do have uh, in terms of prospects I have uh, Jesus Montero around uh, he's hanging out there. Uh, Brian Mattis though probably you know he's probably yet other than that it, uh, I have some other kind of more fringy guys. I have Adam Moore, um, Jose Tabata.
2: What's your major league? Uh, what do your major league starters look like? My
0: major league starters. Well, I have three Texans, uh, and of course, of course, I have Colby Lewis because uh, I I heart him real bad. I do have Rich Harden, which is unfortunate. I have C.J. Wilson, who's been pitching the hell out of the ball. Um, and then I have uh, I have Jorge De La Rosa, who unfortunately will be out for I don't know an undetermined period of time now. I don't know exactly where that is. the The thing about Mattis is. I I guess I was looking to not play him this season because I am suspicious about Baltimore's ability to get wins while he's around. I'm also a little bit suspicious about his ability to suppress home runs. Baltimore is one of the top five uh, home run per fly ball stadiums um, in yeah. the majors, and right now... You know he's got good numbers, but uh, but Mattis is only allowing three uh, percent home runs per per fly ball with a change up. With his, the quality of his changeup, he might be able to keep his numbers down a little bit. But I'm skeptical about it in that park, especially in that division. I guess. So those yeah, I just picks.
2: wish that I wish that Victorino stole a couple more bases, and I wish Michael Young had a little more power. Um, but you know, if you're if you're close to the money. You know, you fill in two spots. Uh, I would say that in a perfect world, you sell Montero
0: um, instead of Mattis.
2: Yeah, that's what I would do because I think his position is in, up in the air. And anytime uh, I just read this recently, and I and I agree with it. Anytime I think Kevin Goldstein said it. Anytime you hear a whisper of uh, position change coming, uh, it almost always happens because uh, it's harder to play defense in the major leagues uh, than it is in the minors. So, uh, I think you're looking at a first baseman on a team that has a first baseman. Right. Um so, I would, I, I wouldn't say no yet. I would shop Montero and see if you can get a third baseman out of it. Uh maybe a center fielder.
0: Well, maybe I'll float, uh, Montero in the straight and see, uh, see how that goes over.
2: Maybe, because Mattis is, Mattis is the best pitcher, uh, of the group you mentioned and I'm sorry to say that to you.
0: Well, I'm, uh, I don't think that's true because Colby Lewis <laughs> Colby Lewis is one of the pitchers I mentioned. He does lead the American League in strikeouts. That's fine. Let's talk, you about, him. Let's talk about this later. Um, well, with that, <laughs> I think that uh, not just my honor, but everyone's honor on this podcast has been uh, summarily besmirched. So we should uh, we'll go clean ourselves off before, before we do anything else. Let's, let's end the pod. But first, let's say goodbye to everyone. One of the guys on this has been a great guy. Uh, even though I don't always agree with his opinions of uh, you know, my trades, His name is Brian Jorah. Brian, thank you for coming to us all the way from the, the uh, I guess, the yellow. You're saying the yellow uh, sou- southern coast there? It's yellow.
1: Yes, Cause, indeed. Cause the not, not coast. We're, we're in the Piedmont.
0: I uh, don't know what that means. But,
1: uh, Piedmont is halfway between coast and mountains.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Now we do know. And then uh, uh, additionally, uh, thank you to, uh, to Eno You Eno, do you have anything else to uh, pimp before you leave? Because I know you got a lot of fingers and pies and all that.
2: Well, I just started at Amazing Avenue, and I wanted to say hello to any of the guys over at Amazing that uh, stuck around this long in the podcast. So thanks, guys.
0: Right, and uh, you know, let's see. Today we're recording this April 28th, so this should definitely be up by about June 7th. So uh, I'll
2: let them know. <laughs> so yeah,
0: so this is good. It's it's uh, it's up on June seventh. All this information is just as relevant as the day we recorded it, no doubt. Uh, and finally, I would like to say thank you for myself, Carson Sestouli. This has been another edition of Fangraphs Audio.